Hey everybody, this is Matthew Croson from Renew.org, and you're listening to the Real Life Theology Podcast, where we share discussions, webinars, public presentations, and similar resources to fuel disciple-making. Today, we begin a series on Renew.org's latest book, Rhythms, featuring authors Daniel McCoy and Andrew Jitt, who explain that Christian life gets more doable when you take the time to learn its rhythms. Today's interview will walk you through the rhythm of life and that Christian life is both doable and life-giving. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name's Andrew, and you're going to hear from Daniel very shortly. And we're excited to be sharing with you about an upcoming book called Rhythms, How to Live Out Real-Life Theology. So, Daniel, before we get started, why don't you share with the listeners and viewers a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so my name is Daniel McCoy, um, husband of Susanna, father of Beth, Sarah, Hannah, John, Elijah, uh, John, Hannah, Hannah, oh man, Beth, Sarah, Hannah, John, Elijah. Okay, we're good. We're good. Uh, those five, and editorial director for Renew.org, part-time uh, professor of philosophy at Ozark Christian College, and I play bass at my church, which is a lot of fun. So what about you, Andrew? Who are you? So born and raised in New Zealand, which is Hence, a bit of an accent, though I say I don't have the accent, so you'll learn some proper English by the end of this time together. Born and raised in New Zealand, done ministry in New Zealand, and that's where I met my beautiful bride, Jamie, and then we're blessed with two girls, Hannah and Ella, and they have thoroughly loved getting through this book with me. They're my proofreaders, leaning into things, which is great. So I serve in, in disciple-making roles around the world, been blessed to travel to over 50 countries. Love making disciples, raising up the next generation to live on mission for King Jesus. Love that I get to bring that to Renew.org. And I love the focus of disciple making that Renew really brings us all together around the table to have good conversations like today. Absolutely. So uh, why did we write a book on how-tos? This book called Rhythms, it's all about the how-tos of the Christian faith. Why a book on how-tos? Well, yeah, as we were looking at the uh, common language and what is going on in books today, we really wanted to go, how do we lean into giving people practicality? There's a lot of information out there on why we need to do things and the structures and things that we can do in order to be effective, but not a lot of practical resource of how does that look like in everyday life? And so for us, it's a real joy to just sit down and say, how can we help the average disciple, follower of Jesus, those that are new in their faith, as well as those that are mature in their faith, take the next step in their journey of faith and help them grow deeper in the everyday walk. Because again, we could give you a lot of great information, which we did in this book. But what I love most about the book is the practical side, where there's the proclamation, the demonstration but the application as well. And that's what's really key with this book is to grab it and to say, right, how am I going to learn some good proclamations, some good teaching materials, some great demonstration through real life stories, but then the application is really what we wanted to lean well into and really helping the average person say, how can I take this wisdom, this knowledge, and then apply it to my everydayness, which is very key because Again, we want to know not just giving information, but we want to know how do we live that out in the everyday life. And I love the subtitle of, you know, the book's called Rhythms, but then how to live out real life theology. 
And so that lends a lot into the previous book that I was blessed to co-author with Daniel. And, and I truly say half that book is extraordinary. So just read Daniel's half and ignore my half. But it was a joy to to lean into this book as kind of a follow-up to that book to say, hey, we've given this great foundation of theology, what it looks like to wrestle with truth and meaning and purpose in life. And now we want to encourage people to really live that out in their everydayness. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I would just add that I think a lot of Christians are unfortunately feeling guilty perpetually. And the reason is that they know that they're supposed to be doing the kinds of things we talk about in the book, you know, how to make disciples or how to live in community or how to read their Bible or how to pray. They know that they're supposed to, but maybe they've not been walked through the real practical, here's how to do it. And so uh, this is just, a, I think, a gift to people to help really give them some training in the how-tos. Um, so that we can kind of move from that uneasy, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, maybe I'm kind of doing it into daily, weekly, you know, lifestyle rhythms that can, can, it's like, okay, we're doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. So that's, that's exciting. Rhythms. Why did we use the word rhythms? What's significant about that word? Yeah, I think it's a great word because, you know, when you think about disciplines, it's like something I've got to do, right? Something I've got to carve out time to to do. So if I want to become a better swimmer, which my daughter um, is a swimmer and I'm part of the swim board, my wife nominated me, so I get to turn up to board meetings, right? And get to help coach her and, and others in swimming. And so they turn up to train. And, and so it can almost be this thing that we compartmentalize spiritual disciplines to being like, right, this is what I do at this part of the day. What I love about rhythms is it's just making it part of the everydayness of living life. And there's a quote that I want to share from the book. It says, what's important to remember that these aren't rhythms you're creating in your life, rather they're rhythms you're joining in with. They're ancient rhythms into which you're adding your own notes. And that was really our dream from the beginning as we were compiling this book is to go, we don't want to just create another to-do list, right? Which, you know, sometimes you can go to church and feel like, oh, I'm meant to do this. And next week, the pastor tells you to do this, or, you know, you've got homework from your small group. What we really wanted to do was just help people every day add some more notes to the uh, manuscript of their life as they dig deeper into God's word, into relationships, into communities into exploring, living out our faith in everyday life. And so I love the rhythms because, again, it's not something you're adding, but it's something you're joining in with. And so that looks like, again, every day you begin on mission with King Jesus, you live out your life, but it doesn't mean that you have to compartmentalize your life and do, well, here's my spiritual life, then here's my family life, then here's my devotional life and my work life and my sport life. But it's saying, no, how do we just add these rhythms into all of that in each and every circumstance that we walk through and every facet of our life? What about you? What does rhythms mean to you, brother? Yeah. So, you know, when I was first learning how to play guitar and learn how to play bass and then later some keyboard, you know, one of the things that you you kind of have, there's like a 
there, there's a, a bit of a, a maturing that takes place. Uh, you know, first, let's say you're, you're acoustic, you know, you're just kind of trying to learn the, the beat, the strums, you know, and, and maybe you're um, not playing with other people yet, but you're just trying to get that rhythm down and get the, the beats down. And it's, it's really a chore. Uh, at first, um, as you're trying to, but then when you start to add in other instruments, or you start to play with another musician or something, you, you really do have to kind of pause. And this is the maturing that I think takes place. You have to kind of pause and really kind of feel what they're, what they're doing. You gotta, you gotta slow down and kind of relax a little bit and join in. And uh, for me, that's what, that's what the word rhythms kind of suggests is I'm not doing this. I'm not making this happen, I'm joining in, like you said, I'm joining in with what's already taking place. And there's kind of a, a, a bit of a pausing, a relaxing, a Sabbathing that you have to do to be able to really feel these rhythms and then be able to join in. And again, like in the book, I, I think that's, we, we talk about how that's when it, bec- that's when it starts getting fun. You know, when you're, you're playing along with something that's already going on, you're, you're playing along with the music that's already there. And you don't have to force it. You're, you're, you're joining in. You're having fun with it. So. Well, and what I love as well is leaning into that idea that we do it in community. You know, we, even through this book, we figured out that both of us learned guitar at one point, and then we started teaching it to others. So for you, like, when did the musician side of Daniel McCoy come to light? Yeah, it was kind of like eighth grade for the bass and the ninth grade for the guitar. Uh, and, um, yeah, just a very kind hearted math teacher, uh, played bass and he, I was interested and he showed me some stuff and about four of those kind of after school lessons. And I was, I was hooked. I loved it. And then I was learning the guitar at the same time as my middle brother. And that was great. Cause again, it wasn't me just, you know, making it happen. It was us kind of helping each other along. And yeah. Yeah. What about you? When did you learn and, and get interested? So I learned piano first. And then as I was thinking about ministry, I was like, we can't really take a piano with you, right? To the bonfire or, you know, on some different things. I was like, I should probably learn more. Be an accordion if you do that, you know? Right. Yeah. And not many of those around and not too many teachers want to teach you that. So, uh, yeah. So I, I moved from piano actually to trombone, which was in the wrong direction. Mm. Played jazz, which was great because, again, just with notes and rhythms, you get to make up so much of what you do. So that was fun. And then leading to that, I was like, let's just try guitar. You know, I, I taught it in intermediate. And so junior high got familiar with it, but just didn't really stick with it. So when I was in my later high school years, started doing that. And then when I stepped into youth ministry, we had no bass player. So I learned bass and I love bass because it's only four strings and you get to really keep the beat, right? You get to help others and leading others in keeping the right rhythm um, with it. So yeah, it's just a fun thing. And I love when I can just sit down and just spend some time, you know, teaching music. And that's what I get to do with my oldest daughter, um, who's far surpassed my expertise in piano playing. But I always like to say that I was her first teacher and her best teacher. That's awesome. Yeah. So was ska a thing when you were uh, getting into trombone? A little bit. Yeah, that's good. I loved ska. That was high school for me was, was all ska. So very short lived though. It did not last long. Yes. That's good. 
Um, so uh, let's talk about the connection between the Sabbath and other rhythms. We talk about that kind of in the beginning of the, in the intro. What is the connection there? You know, could you do these other rhythms and kind of leave the Sabbath out? You could, but you wouldn't be effective, right? It would just be, I think, a list of how-tos and probably leaning more into that discipline realm. For me, Sabbath is the focus, right? If you think about all of what we would consider spiritual disciplines in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is the only one to make the list, which is really interesting when you think about God didn't command, you know, us to pray or to read our Bibles, but he did command us to stop and to rest. He knew that the rhythm of our lives would require that, you know, and even when you look back into the garden in Genesis creation narrative, right? He would say it was good after each day of creation. And then on the seventh day, he said, and it was very good because it was this day of rest and recovery and refreshment that in the busyness of life, you know, I think the Sabbath is one of the things that can really be just kind of put on the back burner. And I know I've been guilty of that, you know, as we're working through this book is convicting to me to say, how do we develop this? And you know, each year in my family, we set goals. And one of them in the last two years was to develop a Sabbath, but it just didn't happen. And so part of our focus this year is to say, how do we make Sabbath a rhythm? Not something we have to do, but take time out and make it part of that everydayness. Because again, Sabbath means day of rest. And so it's getting back to what God said was very good. So we are made for rest. We are made for downtime. And that's part of what we need to figure out in our everydayness and the busyness and the hustle and bustle. You know, it's even crazy because we live in this age of technology that we think our lives will be simpler, but it almost overcomplicates things, you know? And so it's getting back to those ancient rhythms of saying, how do we stop and pause and reflect you know, on where we are in our own lives, where we are in our relationships, vertically, horizontally, you know, and, and that's what I love about Sabbath is it's a time just like kind of the flow of the book where we can take an internal spiritual checklist, looking at that horizontally, again, looking at our relationships and our small groups and our church community, you know, and then vertically, where are we at with God? And so, you know, I'd encourage anyone just to say, how do I create some intentional and deliberate time to stop, to pause and to reflect? What about you, brother? What does Sabbath mean for you in light of this book? Yeah, well, you know, you, you mentioned the Sabbath in relation to the Genesis account and how God said, you know, it is good when he, when he took that Sabbath and he said, this is very good. I, I, I think that's something that we have to have if we're going to be able to discriminate what's discriminate between what's really good and what's just okay and mediocre and even cluttering, you know, because our, our go-to mode in a, in our technological, you know, age, our, our go-to mode is just to fill our minds with more and more stuff and clutter and, you know, information, whatever. And I think that we really have to get back to Sabbath, these pauses 
to be able to, to discern what's truly good. And all of these things we talk about in the book that are the, the, the you know, healthy life-giving rhythms for our lives, uh, we won't, we'll miss those if we don't pause. So I love something that Jesus said. This is Mark chapter six. Jesus had just been told that, that his cousin, John has been beheaded. You know, that they have been, uh, uh, he's been healing people. This is a very hectic time, very heavy time. Uh, this is the verse that is so powerful here. Mark six thirty one. Jesus told his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He needed it. They needed it. We certainly need it as well. And so, yeah, Sabbath is powerful stuff. Well, and it is so true when you look at Jesus' rhythm, right? Before every major decision, there was a time where he would withdraw and just pause and be with the Father. And so God invites us into that, right? He desires that. And I, I would even add he deserves that time when we can just come uninterrupted, creating some space and some margin to sit and to reflect on his goodness and his grace. But, you know, with Sabbath, really engaging with them. And it's something that, again, like you alluded to, we are living full lives, right? Our calendars are maxed out from day to day and week to week. And so the Sabbath is an invitation that we have to say, just pause, just rest. And then we find peace for our souls, which is something that is hugely needed in this day more than any, I think. So the book, Daniel, kind of follows a similar pattern to what we did in our previous book, Real Life Theology Handbook. So we've got self-assessment study, scripture snapshots, summaries, strategies, self-reflection discussion, and study more. For you, out of all those uh, facets of each chapter, is there a favorite section that you'd lean into? You know, I, I love this, the self-assessments at the beginning. I just, I find it to be so helpful to encourage people to kind of get real with where they're at, kind of validate that there are, there's more than just the right answer. Obviously we, we, as the authors, we want to guide people toward the best answers in these self-assessments, but it's just a space to get honest. And I, I think that's refreshing for a lot of people that you don't just have to give the quote unquote Sunday school answer, but that there really are a lot of ways that people take these, you know, these, these life directions. And so, yeah, just a space to, to get real, to get honest. And so I really appreciate that. Obviously I, I love the new facet of each chapter, the strategies. Um, but, uh, yeah. What about you? What do you have a favorite section? Yeah. I mean, mine would be snapshots, but I, I just want to lean into that self-assessment because again, one of the joys of, of being able to write this book was actually proofreading it with my girls who are 11 and 14. And it was great conversations about each chapter and just really asking, so where are you at? And what parent wouldn't want to sit down and go, okay, spiritually, what are you struggling with? Where are you at honestly? And they'd be like, well, dad, you know, I'm kind of at one slash two or 2.5, you know, and I know I need to get to three. And then just really engaging and talking through what does that look like to kind of move that next level. So again, I, I love the honesty that this book allows us to go, it's okay where you are, but let's not stay there. Let's move you to something deeper. Yeah. 
I yeah. truly appreciate that space that allows that wrestling. And we allow, yeah, space in the book where people can write and just put down their thoughts. And you know what I've encouraged people as I've taught, even the real life theology handbook is to put a date, you know, in this, the opening page so that they can go back and look at, okay, at this time in my life, this is where I was at. This is where I was wanting to grow. This is what it kind of looked like uh, for that. So yeah, love, love the self-assessment. But for me, I suppose my favorite part is the snapshots where we just have stories again, like the Real Life Theology Handbook from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's just really inspiring sitting and reading people's stories and testimonies of how they have developed a certain rhythm but then sought to live it out in the everyday life and giving us kind of a glimpse into their life and saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus, but this is how his grace has transformed me to develop this in my life. And so I always love, you know, reading autobiographies, just learning from those that have gone before us. Uh, And this book, again, captures that so beautifully. And I love that it's not just, hey, here's the American church, how we do it, but we've got stories from around the globe leaning into what does theology look like in hard places, you know, in closed countries, as well as open access countries where it's a little bit easier to live out your faith in the everyday part. And like you, Daniel, I love that we've added this new section about strategies and how we can help people develop these rhythms in their everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, let's look at one of the um, self-assessments just to kind of give an idea of what we're talking about here. So the first chapter, the first rhythm is how to know yourself. And at the beginning of the chapter, we talk a little bit about, we introduce the idea of knowing yourself and then we uh, give a self-assessment and we say, okay, my three options when it comes to how well I know myself are, number one, I've never really taken the time to figure out what I'm good at or passionate about. Uh, Number two, I know myself pretty well and mainly use that knowledge to chase after my own goals and ambitions. And then number three, I know myself pretty well and use that knowledge to connect with God's mission for my life. So again, just space to to get honest and, and to figure out, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go by God's grace. Yeah, it's a great conversation in small groups that I've taught in, you know, the Real Life Theology Handbook, because those even inspire other people to be more transparent, to lean into, oh, I'm not alone in, in having questions, you know, because I think sometimes we feel like we've got to have the right answer if we've grown up in the church, right? gone to Sunday school, gone to youth group, gone, you know, in a small group, whatever setting we find ourselves that we need to know things. But there's a vulnerability, which I think is good because it leans into deeper community and deeper authenticity to say, hey, I don't have it all figured out. You know, I'm wrestling with this, but I want to grow more. And so that's what I appreciate. There's space to do that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really easy for some of us, I, I definitely put myself in this category, to kind of stay in the theoretical, you know, stay maybe in the academic, 30,000 feet up and, and look at these things and just make sure that, you know, I've got them mentally mapped out. Okay, okay, I'm good. And I think that's why this new section um, in this particular book is just so helpful 
It's the, it's the category of strategies. Okay, it's another, uh, we, again, there's self-assessments, study, scripture, snapshots, summary, and strategies, and then self-reflection and study more. But the strategies, I just find to be incredibly helpful. Do you kind of want to talk, could you like, kind of walk us through what those are and maybe what they kind of add to the book? Absolutely. I mean, I would say this is where it becomes real for the reader to go, how does this look and how do I develop this rhythm? Again, we didn't just want to communicate content, but we wanted to communicate a way in which this rhythm is something that you can add to your very own life in whatever way that looks like. So each chapter has one or two or three or four strategies that you can take away and say, Hey, if I do this exercise, this strategy, this will help me develop this rhythm, which I think is super helpful because again, I've read so many great books on content and then I'm like, well, how do I do this? You know, what does that really look like? And so each of each chapter's strategies lean into the truth of what that chapter is communicating, but then it gives you the practical, how does this look like in my life? which I think is a beautiful marriage of both the content, so the proclamation, the demonstration coming together to say, yes, how does this become a part of my everyday life? I know that we'd gone back and forth a lot about how can we add something new, and so I think strategies was, was the game changer to really allow people to go, yes, this is what it can look like for me. And I remember leaning into my girls, and they were like, Dad, that's a great strategy. I'm like, yeah, Daniel thought of that. It's all good. But it was great for them to have some takeaways. Again, not just reading a chapter and saying, hey, I hope I remember this, you know, but putting it down on paper, making it real for them and saying, okay, this is how I can make that rhythm. Again, not just adding a whole nother to-do list, but out of the natural rhythm of how we do things. What about you, Daniel? How did strategies resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, just really brought it down to to real life, practical steps. The the first one listed here was, I, I believe you put this one together, autobiographical timeline, and just had a wonderful conversation with one of my kids because we went through this. And I remember I added one of the six, you know, color-coded categories. I'm like, it, it needs one more, but I, I think we'd run out of colors and I didn't know what color to use. You'd already used all the good ones. Um, so, um, but, uh, we, we, we found, we found one more color to put in there, but just a wonderful conversation. And again, you know, in keeping with the, you know, the ne the necessity to kind of Sabbath here, you have, I mean, this is such good stuff, but you have to pause and you have to really take the time, you know, and have a conversation and, and very fruitful conversation as a result. So, yeah, I love these strategies. Now, you know, if you have. At the time, you could do all of them, but it's kind of a matter of at least try to choose one per chapter and, uh, and really, yeah, pause and, and, and do it. And, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving those. One of the strategies that's in every chapter, it's always the last one, is, is maybe the simplest, but it may be the most powerful. And it's just called reflex. And it's basically the idea that any time that I come up against a particular scenario, this is what I'm going to do. This is the reflex I'm going to have. And, and the reason I think it, this one could be so powerful is it's a little bit on the radar. It's, it's not doing a big project, but, um, but it, it really could be a, 
a kind of an automatic reflex, automatic rhythm when you come up to that, you know, scenario. So for example, uh, chapter one, uh, the, the reflexes, you know, fill in the blank with an automatic reflex you want to build into your life based on this chapter. You might fill it in with a prayer you will pray, a Bible verse or other truth you will quote, or something you will say or do. So again, whenever I come up against this scenario, I'm either going to have a prayer I'm going to try to pray or a Bible verse or, or other truth I'm going to quote or something else I'm going to say do. And so this first one is when I have trouble remembering who I am in Christ, which can happen often, we can forget that very easily. Whenever I'm realizing I'm having trouble remembering who I am, I'm going to, and then fill in the blank with some kind of reflex that you're going to try to build in. So again, uh, there's a, at least two um, of these strategies at the end of each chapter and uh, often uh, more than that. And so the idea is just to really try to, um, you know, flesh this out as something that you're going to do, a strategy that you're going to uh, build into your life. Well, I love it because it's proactive rather than being reactive, right? To be able to prepare yourself for what is going to come down the line. And another part that I really love about this book is it's a book that you can do by yourself if you honestly want to do it, but it's also a book that you can do in community, you know? And so we have in the book, these little markers that say, Hey, let's talk about this. So do you want to explain what those parts of the book are and where they can find them? Yeah, there's a, there's a section in each, there's a little icon in each chapter, four different times in each chapter. And it's basically a, an opportunity to pause and have conversation with the people that you're going through in this book to have conversation about this particular thing. And so the first of the, let's talk about this icons uh, is with the self-assessment. So the ideally, you know, there's kind of a two-step process to this. You're reading the book by yourself and kind of filling it out. And then you're meeting together with some people that you're going through with and talking about it. And so the first, let's talk about this icon is with the self-assessment. Let's talk about where you're at, where you want to be. Um, the second of the, let's talk about this would be with the scriptures. So there are always a set of scriptures and then filling out what it said, what it teaches you about this particular rhythm. Then there's the, let's talk about this icon with the strategies. So, you know, how did, which strategy did you pick? How can we help each other? We need to put these into practice. And then finally, there's the self-reflection and discussion, which is kind of the traditional, you know, small group questions. And there's obviously a good opportunity there to talk about, um, you know, what you've been learning. So, uh, yeah, four different times in each chapter, really great opportunities to walk through this with other people and kind of discuss what you're, what you've been learning. And I think to get the most out of the book, we'd encourage you to do it in some community. I know different small groups have done our previous book, youth groups have done it, your member classes have walked through just to get some basics. And so if you've done that, you know, I'd encourage your groups to then jump into this book and say, yeah, how do we now develop these rhythms, understanding we've got a good layer of foundation in theology and disciple making? How do we add upon that? Yeah. One of the many things that you brought into this book that was just so helpful uh, was mapping it according to three different directions. So there is the internal rhythms and there are the horizontal rhythms and there are the vertical rhythms. Could you take a moment and just kind of explain what those are and then why in that order? Uh, why, why are those important? 
Absolutely. Well, if you look at most books and particularly spiritual disciplines, they'll focus on God, which again, nothing wrong with that. That should be our, our focus. But as we were compiling this book together, really wanted to just start off with self, right? So the internal rhythms are all about how do we live out our identity, our purpose, our meaning, are we understanding who we are in light of who God is? So rather than taking the God-centric view to us towards man, we wanted to do who are we in light of who God has made us to be, which I love. And so then it just kind of builds upon that because once you figure out who you are, you know, what that looks like, then we start to go, what does that look like as we live out who we are in community, right? Are those around us. And that's that horizontal rhythm of saying, how does this live out well in our everyday life? So that's key to figuring out again, who we are, who we are in community. And then it's saying, how do we strengthen those relationships with who we are made in the image of God, male and female? You know, he made us, he created us, and he told us to multiply physically and spiritually around the world. And so we do that once we know who we are, goes out to community, and then we do that in light of our relationship with God and wanting to really strengthen that to say, again, what are the core things that God has called us and created us to do? And so that's really the progression of the book, all leading to the climax, like how do we make a difference? in our lives, which is really kind of a summary chapter. Spoiler alert, I'm giving away the end of the book. Um, but it kind of brings it all together twofold to say, hey, here's who we are, who we are in community, and who we are in our relationship with God, which is great. So again, it, it really helps us understand who we are in our all facets of our relationship. For you, is there a, a rhythm that's more important than others, the internal, horizontal, vertical? You know, I, I remember we, we kind of, we, we struggled with whether to start with the vertical or to start with the internal. And, you know, I, I'm glad we, we, we went with, I mean, first, first of all, I think all three are incredibly important because all three are very biblical. You know, they're, it's not just a me and God kind of a, you know, relationship. And so I, I think, I think you've done a, a great job of articulating why the order. And I would just say that I'm glad we chose the order we did. And I'm also glad that we, we did the kind of chose the breadth that we did, because I think there's a very real danger in when it comes to the, this is what you do as a Christian to really make it about the, you know, just me and God. And I, I think that, that it's also very possible to just make it about just me and God and just me and other people a very kind of, it can be kind of a duty bound, you know, r religion. And I think back to the, the guilt that can just so easily take root and we just kind of stay stagnant in that, in that guilt. And so I just love that we, that we chose to bring in, you know, who am I in Christ and, and not quarantining these very important areas of life you know, to where I've, I've got my, you know, my relationship with God, but it doesn't really deal with my, you know, my, my work life. It doesn't really deal with my finances. It doesn't really deal with my friendships, you know, but we bring it all together. And so I, I love the breadth of it because I think it's very biblical. I think we don't have that, that breadth. I think, I think our, 
discipleship will be very tinny. I, it won't, it won't be, you know, won't be across the whole spectrum of our lives. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Cause again, I think we can easily compartmentalize things. Yeah. And what we've tried to do is help understand who we are in light of our relationships, you know, in our community, but also in light of God. And then looking at our relationships, how are they factoring in who we are, helping us grow, but then also pushing us in our relationship with God. And then the last rhythm, you know, our relationship with God, that vertical one, how does that affect everything at the forefront as well? And so I think that's good to just kind of wrestle with that. And again, some of these chapters are very deep that really cause you to go, huh, I'd probably never thought of that in light of my relationship with other people or with God. I remember, you know, as we're writing some of that, just thinking again, that totality of man, how God has made us, that we don't need to just have a spiritual life, a physical life, emotional life, or anything. No, it's all weaved together. And so those rhythms just blend so beautifully together. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe if you haven't already. Now come back next week as we dive into the internal rhythm, a continuation of this series where we are talking about the rhythms of Christian life. Thank you to Daniel McCoy and Andrew Jitt for being able to sit down and have such a great conversation. Now check out the description for access to the book and some other great Renew.org resources. Now may God bless you and I'll see you next week.